0: Well, this is the day the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, last week we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for a good while, and last week uh, we talked about what it means to walk in the Spirit. And I want to finish up on that, maybe finish up, Lord willing, on some of this. And, uh, you know, one of the things I was talking about, learning to walk in the Spirit... You know, one of the things we need to realize, you know, Jesus said, these things I have written to you that in me, you might have peace. In the world, you will have what? But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. See, one of the things we got to understand when we learn to walk in the spirit, walking in the spirit is not a lack of conflicts. Let me say that again. So many people think if I learn to walk in the Spirit, there won't be any conflicts. Wrong. Wrong. Who wrote that? Paul wrote in Romans eight fourteen. for as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Amen? Amen? Being led of the Spirit. In Galatians five sixteen, he says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Paul wrote that, didn't he? All right. You remember when Paul got saved on the road? He says, I want to show him how much he's going to have to suffer for my namesake. How would you like to have that ministry of suffering for his namesake? So we know that learning to walk in the spirit is not an absence of conflict. You know, Paul says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. What is the sufferings of this world? I know there's many of you, a lot of people going through sufferings, going through pains. That does not mean you're not walking in the Spirit. You understand that? See, because you look at Paul's life. What did he say about everything he suffered? He said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto me, that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry that I've received to testify of the grace of God, wow! But look in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, we see what he said here. He says, "Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes; three times was I beaten with rods; once was I stoned; three times suffered shipwreck; a night and a day treading water. How do you like that? In journeyings awful, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen." In perils of the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, you know, if he'd wrote all the stuff that he went through, we'd have a bigger Bible, but we might be depressed time we got through <laughs> in weariness, painfulness, watchings often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, and fastings, offense cold nakedness. he said, besides all that, the problems that comes on the care of the church is daily: who is weak and I'm not weak, who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things concerning my infirmities. You know, you see that all he went through. But here in 2 Corinthians 12, we see Paul writing something here. He talked to the Lord about these messengers of Satan. I mean, he just got through saying all the stuff he went through. And I'm going to finish my course with joy. But then he says three times, I asked the Lord to take this thing away from me. Three times. So I want to read this here. But I want you to see Paul's big problem, my opinion, the thorn in the flesh. Look at all he suffered and said, none of these things move me. But the problem was false prophets and apostles. Here in verse 13 over here are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. These guys followed him everywhere he went to contradict everything he was saying, to bring people back under the law, under legalism. Then he goes on, let's read here in chapter 12, verse 1. It's not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions, revelations. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knows. Such a one I was caught up in the third heaven. I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knows. How that he was caught up in paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to speak. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory... I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest anyone should think of me above that which he sees me or hears me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times or thrice, that he might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Now I want you to catch that. Now look what he says next. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my weakness, in my infirmity. But he's he's not talking about sickness or disease here. I don't care what a lot of people say. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. What does it mean to be led of the Spirit in a normal Christian life? What does that mean? The normal Christian life is living your life by the life of another. It's learning to walk as he walked. Learning to live in union with him. It doesn't mean an absence of conflict. It means learning to live in union with him that called you into his grace and peace. My grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. The Christian life may be summed up as the consciousness that in him I live and move and have my being. And and that's the book of Acts. It says he talked to all those that's worshiping the false God, this unknown God. And he said, the God whom you ignorantly worship, I'm going to tell you who he is. And, and And that's when he said, for in him we live and move and have our being. And that word being means we are. God said, go tell them that I am. But that Greek word being means we are. He said, I am and we are. As he is, so we are. Amen. That's how we live our life, learning to live our life. What does that mean? Like Paul was saying there, that I draw my life, I draw my strength from His strength. But see, it's only in your weakness that you can live in His strength. We've got to realize that's the next change. As long as you're hoping to have some strength of your own, He'll let you until you totally run out of gas. Give me an amen, Alan. Amen, Alan. Amen, Alan. I draw my life from his infinite life in every situation I find myself in. This means that as we grow in Christ, we realize our weakness in ourselves and draw upon his strength. We're not sure what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. I said that well ago. I'm not sure, but I think it was those that followed him everywhere he went. You know how I come to that conclusion? Because of a few of the things he said, he made statements of. In Galatians one nine, he said, If any man preach any other gospel unto you other than that you have received from me, let him be accursed. Now I say again, If any man preach another gospel other than what you're hearing from me, let him be cursed. Is that pretty stout or not? That is a stout word. And you know, you look over here in Galatians. Oh, thank you, Lord. Galatians chapter 5. That's where we read a while ago. Galatians 5 16 says this I say walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh all right but let's go up a little above that And he says verse 10 I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded but he that troubles you see that's the one he's talking about the ones that's troubling him all the time they that trouble you shall bear his judgment whoever he be and I, brethren, if I preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would that they were even cut off, which trouble you. You know what it really says there? I wish they wouldn't just stop with circumcision. They'd just Im- cut, cut it all off. Yeah. Emasculate themselves. Is that heavy? heavy? See, so this was the thorn in the flesh that he, he always seeking God Deliver me from these people that's always talking against me. You know, you think about what Jesus went through. Look at what he went through. Everywhere he went, scribes, Pharisees. He knew what it was like to have them all following him and and doing all these things. So Paul prayed that he'd take it away. You know, religion has trained us in a certain way and not real good. But religion has trained us that we, if we would just try a little harder, we might be able to please God. If you just do a little more, work a little harder, fast a little, give a little more, whatever it is, if you just try a little harder, that God, you might be able to please God. But you know, even when I was in that area, you know, we can pray for God to strengthen what little strength we got. We get close to being burnt out, and we say, God, just give me a little more strength, and I'll try to do a little better. And what happens? 1,800 pastors a month leaving the ministry burn out because they just didn't have quite enough to make it. That's why it's imperative that we learn to live by the strength of another. It's our weakness that makes us strong. It's our dependence upon him, not upon ourselves. Isaiah forty thirty one says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as with wings as eagles. That word wait there <clears throat> in the Hebrew it says to bind together, to, to bind by twisting. It's a rope. Get a picture of a threefold cord of a rope. Bind together by twisting. That's the word wait. Those that wait upon the Lord, what do we call that, Alan? Union? That's union. Shall renew their strength. And that word renew means exchange in the Hebrew. It means a change of garments. What do we call it when you take some garments off and you put on another set of garments? Is that change or is that exchange? You exchange them. They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange their strength. See, saints we got to, we got to understand that the enemy always comes in to try to convict us and condemn us, really condemn us, about, well, if you was really being led to the Spirit, if you was really in union with the Lord, why was this happening to you? Why are you going through this? Well, I don't know anybody that's not going through something. Amen? Give me an amen. amen. You know, First Peter 4 says, if you suffer in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind that Jesus went through. He that suffered in the flesh has ceased from his own labors. Come on now. See, and that's and part of this learning to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He didn't say it would all be wonderful, did he? But I'm telling you, it's not those that start to race, but it's those that what? Amen. With what? Joy. joy. And, passion. and passion. See, we don't want to just finish this thing. We want to finish it with joy and passion. And you can do that when you rest in his hope. To renew. You know, Paul learned this. Paul said, I have learned that whatsoever state that I'm in, to therewith what? Be content. And he gives all the lists he went through to learn this. You know, Hebrews 5.8 says, though Jesus was the very Son of God, yet he learned obedience through the things he suffered. And being made perfect through the things he suffered, he became the author of, of eternal salvation to those that obey him. That word obey means hear him. Those that diligently hear him. Hear what he says. And we see that that's what it is. Paul says, therefore, what did he say? Most gladly, therefore, will I rejoice in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, when you're looking for your own power or you're looking for your own faith, you're in trouble. We live by the faith of the Son of God. I know I spent many years trying to increase my faith just like the disciples did. Lord, increase my faith. Lord, increase our faith. You've given us a faith. I've got faith, but I want to increase my faith. Well, he'll try to increase what little faith you got, but it's a lot better to learn to live by the faith of the Son of God instead of your own faith. There's no limit. There's no limit. And the trying of your faith is more precious than gold that perish. That tells me if your faith is being tested and tried, there's fire involved. Give me an amen. Amen. It's more precious than gold, the trying of your faith, that will be found to the praise and honor and glory at his appearing. What does it say? We look around, we see what's going on in the earth today, and we say, well, it surely ain't going to be much longer. What did Jesus say? When he comes on the earth, will he find any faith left? That's a question. Will he find it? Well, I believe he will. Because I believe there's many going to be learning to live by the faith of the Son of God. And he's going to find some faith on the earth. I don't know how much. But the enemy's doing everything he can to destroy people's faith. Amen. So we want to finish this thing with joy. Philippians 4, you know, it says in 11 through 13, Paul's talking about, I I speak in, it says, I'm not speaking in respect of won't, for I've learned that whatever state I'm in to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry and to suffer needs. I can do all these things through Christ that strengthened me. You know, when we were first Christians, I remember everybody running around quoting it. I can do all things through Christ to strengthen me. And I finally heard it, and I said, why don't you read the verse before? You want to go through all that? And then say you can, then I want to see you say that. See, we like to just pick out a little verse and quote that, but we don't read it in context. Paul went through a whole lot of stuff, didn't he? And all the stuff he went through caused him to learn to be content in whatever situation he found himself in amen I think God didn't call me like Paul I'm glad he didn't say to me when I got saved I'm going to show you how much you're going to have to suffer anybody out there Uh huh. oh me I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me in the Amplified it says this I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency Now catch that we are self sufficient in His sufficiency. See, that's where our sufficiency comes from. There is none on our own. Malcolm Smith said, I cannot emphasize enough the place of the Holy Spirit in our covenant. Apart from the Holy Spirit, there is no new covenant. The lifestyle of men and women in the new covenant is that of loving even as they are loved by God. That is an impossibility an impossible thing apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Apart from the Holy Spirit, you can never know what God be loved. The Holy Ghost is the one that comes and sheds the love of God abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We cannot love as he loved. We cannot walk as he walked. There is no ability in us to fulfill the life of the new covenant apart from the Holy Spirit. A covenant seeks union between two parties. The old covenant was one of shadows, promises, and hope. Although it revealed the presence of God dwelling in the midst of, of his people in a real way, but they could only, it could only point the way for a better covenant. Ezekiel 36, 25. When you see this, let's look at Ezekiel 36, 25. Now we quote the other two verses below that, but I want to look at it. Uh, oh, thank you, Lord. i got it written down, but I I want to look at it. Ezekiel 36. Now you know why I don't turn to very many scriptures. I'm going to go up to verse 23. He says, I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which you have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall have sanctified you before their eyes. Yeah, when I have sanctified you before their eyes. That's a work of grace. And I will take you from among the heathen. I will gather you out of the countries and I will bring you back to your own land. Verse 25, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you will be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. What's left there for you to do? He bringing you back. Then he says, A new heart will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you could keep my judgments and do them. And then you'll dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people and I will be your God. And I will also save you from your uncleanness. Hallelujah. Give me an amen. amen. And then he's going to call for all the increase. Verse thirty one, then he will give you repentance. The gift of repentance. Then you'll be able to see what you come out of. But look in thirty two, not for your sakes I do this, saith the Lord. Be it known unto you. Be ashamed and confounded for your household is. He said, I have done this for my name's sake. That's incredible. I will sprinkle. I will, I will, I will. The Holy Spirit brings us to the covenant and makes us partakers of his divine nature. But it's our relationship to the Spirit. It must not stop there. He works in us continually to make every detail of the covenant a functioning reality in our lives. He wants to make it real to us, bring us into that. The whole covenant is accomplished in our union with Christ, and it's all ours as we are joined in union to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. By one Spirit are we all baptized into what? One body, the body of Christ. How did we get there? The Bible says by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. It's it's the Holy Spirit that joins us into union with one another and the Father and the Son. It's the work of the Spirit. And as we start trying to learn why it's so important to allow the Holy Spirit to come in their lives and to teach us and bring us into what Jesus has for all of us. The Holy Spirit joins us in union that is described as a relationship of the human body to the head. Paul speaks of such a relationship as the final reality of the believer's identity in Christ. And that's what I quoted in 1 Corinthians 12. By one spirit we all baptized into one body whether we Jew or Greeks or whether we bond or free and all have been made to drink into one what? One spirit. See how important this is? We've been made to drink one spirit. 27, verse 27 in that chapter 12. And says, And now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Both Ezekiel and Jeremiah saw it in the day when the law would be not an external command, but an internal bent of life. Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-three. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write them in their hearts. Isn't that a far cry from the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked? See, he knows that heart. That's why he's got to give you a new one. He said, I'll put my laws in your heart and I'll give you a a new heart to know me says the Lord and I'll put my laws in their minds and write them in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and in Hebrews it says they'll not teach every man his neighbor know the Lord for you'll all know me from the least to the greatest for I will be merciful to your sins and iniquities and he said your sins and iniquities I will remember no more Yeah, that's that's the covenant we're already in see the Jews are still hoping for this right But for us, it's already been given. And when they see it, it's not going to be a different one. It's going to be the same one that they're partakers of. Oh, thank you, Lord. Ephesians 2, 21 says, It says, In whom all the building is being fitly framed together and grows into a holy temple. In the Lord, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God through the spirit how through the spirit is the Holy Spirit important in our lives isn't it incredible how the Holy Spirit in most churches are played down so low and apart from the Holy Spirit Jesus said it's imperative that I go away it's necessary for me to go away because if I don't go he won't come The exchange. He's got to come for you to to see what this is all about. Mm. Romans 8, 9. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's none of here. None of his. Here we see the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of Christ. All three there. The question. Are they all? Three spirits are one in the same. They're three spirits, but they're one. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen him. They can't. Why? Because they're in union. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, you're no more a servant, but a son. Now I want you to realize something. A servant is... Is a person under the law. A son is a product of the new covenant. If you just want to be a servant, you're gonna to have to stay under the law. But if you want to be a son, you gotta get in the new covenant. You're no longer a servant. You're a son. You're not even just a friend. Jesus said, I called you friends, but that friendship changed to brothers after his crucifixion. And because you are sons, he says there, you're no longer a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. The Holy Spirit brings it into a reality of the new covenant and makes us a partaker of it. But our relationship to the Holy Spirit does not stop there. He works continually, make every detail a functioning reality in us. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, into your heart, what? Crying, Abba, what? Amen. Father. We're sons. Not just friends. Amen. Not just servants, but sons. Heirs of the kingdom. That's your identity. It's important for you to stay there. Don't let the enemy even pull you down into just sonship. Ezekiel 37, 26, and 27. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. And it will be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in the midst of them. Do you know the Most High does not dwell in temples made in hands with hands anymore? Amen. As saith the prophets. That's what he said over there in him, we live and move and have our being. He says the Most High doesn't dwell in temples made with hands anymore. He dwells in the midst of his people. I will set my sanctuary in your midst forever. My tabernacle also shall be with them indeed, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. The difference between a contract and a covenant is what's being exchanged. A contract is the exchanging and passing of property or possessions. A covenant is the exchange of a person. The contract says this is now yours, while a covenant says I am now yours, you are now mine, yes. Now you know what's so wonderful about the new covenant? It was a covenant between the Father and the son. Yes. Let me say that again. It was a covenant between the Father and his son yes. that can never be broken, and that's what we're that's why we're in him yes. that's why it's so important for us not to be separated. From our union with him. God didn't promise us just blessings. He promised us himself. The blessings come with it. Union. union. I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my ways. And, I, and you will keep my judgments and do them. The presence of the Holy Spirit. Is the seal of the covenant of the people of God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is love. If we do not give first place to the Spirit and allow His supernatural love to reign in our lives, we are not authentic expressions of His church. If we do not give first place to the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do in our lives and be led to the Spirit, and allow his supernatural love to reign in our lives, we are not an authentic expression of his church. I remember Bob Mumford, Jerry brought it up one time. He said, you know what I've noticed through the body of Christ? He says, where well, the most word is preached in most churches is the least amount of love. He's talking about legalism. See, so you can, the Pharisees knew the word. How many of you know they knew the word? I mean, they memorized the whole thing. Because you search the scriptures every day in them thinking you're going to have a fine life. And they are they that testify me, but you will not come to me that you might have life. 1 John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who is born of God loves God and knows God. He that does not love does not know God, for God is love. 1 John four sixteen says, If he loved us and laid down his life for us, we need to lay down our lives for each other. 1 John four twelve, We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he that dwelleth or abides in love abides in God and God in him. Isn't that easy? And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in that love abides in God and God in him. We love him because he first loved us. The Holy Spirit is the one that sheds the love of God abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which he gives us. So we can know him. Does that bring a little more light on what it means to be led of the Spirit? See, they that be led of the Spirit are the sons of God. And I was just and we was and all that first part I brought about what Paul went through was not in my notes, was not in my thoughts. But as we was worshiping this morning, the Holy Spirit was showing me that a lot of people that think if you learn to be led of the Spirit, you don't go through all this mess. He said, That's not true. Look at the one that said it. Look at Paul's life, the one that said as many as are led by the spirit of the sons of God. Look what he went through and was able to say none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy and to testify of God's grace. And what did he say? I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. All right. He finished his course. Every one of us, Paul told Timothy, if God saved you, he called you for a purpose. And it's not what you purpose, but what he purposed for you before the foundation of the world. Every one of us have a course. Paul knew he had finished his course. And he had kept the faith. Then he said what? Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, not for me only, but for all them that love his appearing. That's us. A crown of righteousness. With the righteous judge will give to those that does what? Earnestly looks for his second coming. See, the only way you can earnestly look for his second coming is to understand exchange and understand that you are what you are by the grace of God, and he's the one that made you white and ready to, so you can come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As long as you're hoping to have some righteousness or you're hoping to do something to please him, I spent too many years, my first about four years as a Christian, working real hard to try to catch up with some of you older Christians so that when he comes, I wouldn't be embarrassed. Real smart, wasn't it? And I wasn't raised in church. I didn't get that from church. I got it from something down inside that was there long before church. it come from the fall. When man fell, he started his climb back trying to please God through his works. Religion just took advantage of that root and exposed it and manipulated it. That's why it's a new and living way, a whole new and better way, a better covenant with better promises. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you're little by little, line upon line, teaching us, Father, what it means to be sons and daughters of God. Father, we thank you that we are sons. Because we are sons, Father, we just want to thank you for the the privilege of being your sons and daughters in Jesus' name. Amen. So you're not a sinner. You're not even a servant. You're not even a friend. You're a son and a daughter. Is that good news? Oh!